Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Plenty to get through. That time of the day, again, morning, afternoon, or evening, get yourself a beverage and a snack. Today's recommendation, a cheap can of imported German beer and some salted peanuts. It's a great combination. I'm a sucker for the classics. Skull. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. And straight away, where's my chat? Where the hell is my chat? There he is. <laughs> We're off to a flyer. Thank you so much for joining us on this, the Monday edition of the show. Thank you uh, for coming back because... As you know, we wrapped it up one day early last week. I hope you can forgive me. Uh, All is well. I had to go and see a couple of people about a couple of things. Nothing too serious, nothing to worry about. But hopefully, fingers crossed, everything's going the way it should be, which is I should be heading to an early grave courtesy of my alcoholism and youth misspent rather than any kind of viral infection or anything of that nature. So fingers crossed, (laughs) because I really... I really want to rob Jesus of... I really want to rob God of the chance of putting me in an early grave by doing it myself. I really want to take control of that. I want the autopsy to be something along the lines of, wow, we're surprised that this guy lived as long as he did. Have a look at this liver. It's basically falling apart in my hands. It's amazing. It's a miracle of science. I will be the first dead miracle of science. That's what I'm hoping for. You've got to have goals in life and death. And we'll get to that too. We'll talk a little bit about death. One of our friends making the pages, making the hot press, ladies and gentlemen of Salon. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you had a lovely weekend. I certainly did. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to wish me into an early grave, then you're more than welcome to do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Uh, We're going to get into the climate protests and the way the worm has turned tonight a little bit later in the show because I think it wonderfully illustrates the collective mentality of the body politic in today's western world you know I don't want to sound too faux pretend intellectual and I don't want to sound hyperbolic but the way that the climate protesters are now being received by their countrymen, by their fellow citizens, their friends, countrymen and Romans. I think it's an indicator of something far bigger that's going on. And I'd like to explore that with you later on tonight. I also want to have a look at Brexit and the latest fear campaign, which you are not going to believe. It is straight out of the record books when it comes to fear campaigns. I'm going to show you this clip and you're not even going to realise what the hell is going on. You're going to say this has to be fake. Because I'm watching it myself and I'm like, there is no way that this is real. This can't be real. But the latest Brexit fear campaign, it's like they've run completely out of ideas. They tried the economic stuff. 
They tried the recession. They tried the immigration. Oh, the unemployment. Ladies and gentlemen, people will lose their jobs. But the latest one is one for the ages. So we'll get into that. But before we get too far into the show, thank you for sharing the show out, by the way. We do have to tip our hat to an old friend. Uh, Not a friend that I've known for a long time, but just an old guy. Now, why is my bar showing up there? How about we do this? Okay. We've got some weird stuff happening on this end. I have no idea why. Uh, oh, that's why. There we go. Look at this. I'm not set up at all. Having a terrible time of it. Uh, yes, a tip of the hat to an old friend. Not a friend for a long time, but just an old guy who's a friend. Chris Mack, ladies and gentlemen, he is now officially gone big time. He's gone big leads. He has made himself into the pages of one of the favorite publications of this little fledgling program, Salon. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for the far-right Christian extremist and conspiracy theorist, Christopher McDonald. Well done, sir. You made it. We made it, buddy. We did it, buddy. We're going to make it to New York someday, Mr. McDonald. Well, sure we will, young William. Sure we will. These far-right Christian fundamentalists believe God killed Elijah Cummings for opposing Trump. The Christian right has a long history of praying for the deaths of political opponents. Well, to be fair, (laughs) to be fair to the good people of Salon, I don't think that that's a trait that's exclusive to the right side of politics. In fact, I'm pretty confident that I could go on Twitter right now and give you pages and pages and pages of people praying for the death of Donald Trump as we speak. (laughs) I wish this guy was dead. I would like to kill this guy and so on and so forth. So let's not pretend like this is some kind of right wing thing. I tend to think it's a human thing, but moving on. Appearing on the conspiracy theorist Chris McDonald's program, ladies and gentlemen, the Mac Files, Christian fundamentalist Stacey Shiflett insisted that Trump was sent by God himself to govern the US and that Cummings uh, helped lead a crooked, deceptive, demonic attempt to remove Trump from office. Shiflett said of Cummings, everything that he's done has been nothing but trying to take this president out. I believe that God had had enough. God had moved on. Well done, Christopher McDonald with a mention in the pages of Salon. Um, I'm a little disappointed because I was on Chris McDonald's show later that day. So I did a little podcast with Chris and I actually advised Chris to ease up on the, I'm on the Elijah Cummings stuff because he was ready to go for round two. And I said, you might want to just, you know, wind it back a little bit. Uh, To be fair though, to Chris McDonald, I don't think that he prayed for the death of his political opponent. Now the guest that he had on might've, But there's always this constant thing. There's always this thing that happens in this space with these little internet shows and then the way that people report on the little internet shows. Um, I I can see a guy in the chat now who is an avowed uh, admirer of Adolf Hitler. And we've had interactions. I've also had interactions with communists who uh, are so commie, who are so pinko, that they would make Chairman Mao blush with embarrassment. They would make Stalin uneasy with a sense of inadequacy at how socialist and communist they are. And I've interacted with those people as well. So there is this thing at the moment to say, well, 
if somebody comes on your show and says something, then you must retain ultimate ownership of what that person says, which is, of course, running counter to everything that we believe here in the Western world, running counter to everything we understand about open dialogue and sharing ideas and expressing said ideas. So in defense of the old guy, Chris McDonald, the right-wing extremist, conspiracy theorist, Christian fundamentalist, Chris McDonald, as he is now going to be known whenever I address him, Whenever I'm on his show, I'm going to say it's an absolute pleasure to be here on the far right-wing extremist Christian fundamentalist conspiracy theorist program with you, Chris. Thank you for having me, you Christian extremist. I'm going to, I'm going to hammer this to death. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so, in fairness to the Christian extremist right-wing fundamentalist far right extremist Christopher McDonald, I don't think he prayed for the death of Elijah Cummings. His guest very well might have. But I don't think Chris himself actually did. I think Chris was saying uh, this guy's record was pretty bad. So he wasn't, um, you know, going out of his way to cry and, and say what a horrible loss it is, which might be heartless enough. I'm not sure, but that's up to you. I prefer to make my own decisions when I listen to stuff like that. And all the labels that you can throw at somebody like Chris. Uh, having known him for the last couple of years, I can say he's pretty far from an extremist although he does like to engage in a little hyperbolic speech from time to time, but then again, who doesn't? And that's pretty—that's what I like about the guy, to be honest. That raw quality, the fact that he can go on the big rants. I, I appreciate anybody who can rant with passion. And I don't care if they're on the left or the right. People who have long, uh, watched this show long enough know that I just appreciate the art of the rant. You could be ranting for universal healthcare and abortion if you want, but as long as you do it in an entertaining style with fashion and great use of common tongue, then I will say, well done. Nice rant. A well put together rant you've got there. Sensational. I'd love to have you back on the show again. Another time. Back on the Christian fundamentalist extremist podcast that is the Christopher McDonald show. That would make Jesus weep. So well done, young man. Appreciate it. <laughs> Everybody needs to give Chris a pat on the back for that. Tremendous effort to get in the pages of Salon. A very exclusive Salon. He now finds himself in company of Donald Trump, who gets written about every day on Salon. So there you go, Chris. You made it to the top, buddy. We all knew you could do it. I bet he's over the moon with this. <laughs> I bet he's over the moon. Uh, I haven't spoken to him since this came out, so I'll have to get in touch and say, oh, did you see this? You're a, you're a right-wing fundamentalist extremist now. Congratulations. <laughs> Have you told your wife? She'll be most disappointed. Um, have you heard the latest about Brexit? So what's happening in Brexit, other than the usual kind of shit show that takes place in Brexit and has taken place over the last few years? Uh, Carol, send me one of your rants. Absolutely. If you've got a rant, if you have a rant that you think is of a particular quality, I'm more than happy to take the videos of the rants and we might even do like, you know, just a random rant of the week or something if you want. An enjoyable rant. To be honest with you, it's you're going to be hard-pressed to find anyone, in my opinion, better than Alex Jones. He's the king of the rant. We've done we've done two-hour breakdowns of a 10-minute rant of Alex Jones before on this show. <laughs> such is the joy, such is the pleasure that can be extracted when Alex is in full flight. So it's very difficult to beat Alex. I think he's the king of the rant. But if you've got something that you think is better, if you've got something that can at least match it, then by all means, send it in or post it in the Discord if you want. By the way, if you'd like to get on the show tonight, just join the Discord, jump in the waiting room. We'll have a chat to you about whatever topic you want. 
So Brexit, uh, Boris went to the EU and the EU said, no, you must leave on a certain date. Boris went back to the EU and said, well, how about we do a deal? The EU said, okay, we'd like to do a deal. Boris took this information back to his parliament and now his parliament is saying, well, we don't want to do a deal just yet. Can we vote for yet another extension? Extension? <laughs> extension. Can we vote for yet another extension? And now uh, wanting to vote for another extension, the leader of the House, without getting too technical, has said that they're not allowed to vote a second time for another extension. It's just a complete circus over there. So this gives, I think, people a certain amount of time, an adequate amount of time to construct new fear campaigns about Brexit. Because you see, I still think the overarching uh, want here, the overarching need for some people here is to force a second referendum. I think that's what a lot of people want. If not cancel the vote out completely, I think that's what a lot of people are angling for. Even a lot of people in Boris Johnson's own party, I suspect, you know, being the big money, big business, internationalist type Tories that they are. And then, of course, you've got people on the left side of the spectrum wanting to remain in the EU for other reasons, perhaps namely the Schengen Agreement, which is, of course, open borders within EU countries and things of that nature. So I wouldn't be surprised then if this just tries to get extended out, extended out, extended out, extended out until everybody loses their job and there is no Brexit. So I want to show you a little bit of footage here, two things. Started off with this. This came out last week. Now, this is Jacob Rees-Mogg. And if you're unaware of who Jacob Rees-Mogg is, and I think I've just lost the chat there for a second, so let me try and reboot that up just to make sure. Unless everybody just decided to stop chatting at the same time, which is entirely possible. <laughs> I'll just reboot that up. Besides all the uh, the other issues about chat boxes not working and other things not working and all that kind of stuff, um, you'll be pleased to know no audio issues. So now it's just all the other shit that's going on. Happy days. So Jacob Rees-Mogg is like the quintessential, in political terms, he's the quintessential English gentleman. Very soft-spoken, very polite, uh, very, very witty, very sharp guy extremely funny, very good with the comebacks. So Jacob Rees-Mogg now has to be escorted to and from his job every day due to the remaining uh, protesters, ladies and gentlemen, who like to get in his face even when he's walking with his son and threaten him with violence because it's all about unity and it's all about uh, peaceful, non-violent protest, you see. So let's have a little look at Jacob and his now morning, his new morning ritual when it comes to going to work. Let's have a look. Just a lovely stroll in the British countryside. Keep moving, Jason, please. 
Just keep moving. Seems to be in the UK that you can only get this kind of police attention if you're a British politician trying to get to work or somebody who has some nasty things written about them on Facebook. Because <laughs> then you'll get two dozen police officers come come down to your apartment and look to protect you. I'm sorry, are you offended? Did somebody use some kind of hate speech on you on Facebook? We'd love to know more. Would you like to come down to the station and identify this individual? Don't worry, we've got two SWAT teams out the front. Nobody is going to be writing anything on Facebook about you in the future. Trust me, you're safe. These, those appear to be the only two scenarios where you can get this kind of attention in the UK from the police, from the good men and women of the police force. Jacob! Jacob! Jacob, keep fighting for us! Just move out of the way, please. Watch your backs, it's vehicles. What's the pain? Signal's the pain, man. So there you have it. So keeping that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, I will just try to reboot up the chat box once again so people can see each other's comments on the screen. Give it one last go, see if it works. If not, we'll just push on. So with that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, that kind of atmosphere that now exists in Britain in regards to the Brexit vote, the kind of attention that, like I said, a very tepid and lukewarm personality that is Jacob Rees-Mogg, but very sharp, very witty guy, uh, the quintessential English gentleman. Now that he's coming under this kind of pressure, just trying to walk to work in the morning, I present to you the new fear campaign. <laughs> this came out on Channel 4 News on October 17. Who here knows anything about a little organization called the IRA? Ladies and gentlemen, for those who aren't aware, the IRA stands for the Irish Republican Army, who uh, were for decades fighting for the reunification of Ireland and Northern Ireland into a single country, uh, often famously donning black balaclavas and shooting Armalite rifles at the British soldiers, occasionally bombing shopping centres and police buildings. They were, they were basically the hot item terrorist organisation in the Anglo world for about 30 or 40 years there. Represented in Parliament by their political wing known as the Sinn Féin, uh, the Sinn Féin dropped most of the extremist rhetoric over the last 25 to 30 years, and the IRA has essentially dissipated into essentially nothing. Uh, it's no longer the force that it used to be. Uh, there hasn't been an attack for a long time. <laughs> Clearly clever says Internal Revenue Association. Close, close. <laughs> there was a lot of money spent on them. So you haven't heard any kind of, of any kind of IRA aggression for a long time. They even had a campaign, I think, back in the early 90s to hand in their firearms, hand in their rifles and stuff. So it's been a very long time. So it seems like a perfect opportunity, doesn't it, to resurrect the, the good old boys the old boys in Belfast for yet another Brexit fear campaign. Because you see, one of the sticking points about Brexit, ladies and gentlemen, is the fact that uh, Northern Ireland, and I understand the reasons for this, right? The reasons for this concern. Northern Ireland is obviously sharing a border with the Republic of Ireland, 
Northern Ireland being the northernmost part of the island of Ireland, Ulster. And the Republic of Ireland is an EU member. And if Brexit goes ahead, then Northern Ireland will cease being part of the EU, which creates a whole range of problems for people who do business in the north of Ireland, because there's a lot of companies there that just freely cross across the border, sell goods across the border, trucks going to and from Northern Ireland and back into the Republic and so forth, planes, trains, the whole lot, uh, people. So the questions are being asked, well, what kind of effect will this have on the economy of not only Northern Ireland, but the Republic of Ireland itself? How will this impact the citizens of this place? Will there have to be strict border controls? Will we no longer be able to travel freely over the border? Will there be some kind of tariff arrangement on all of these goods that we've been freely trading for all this time? So there are legitimate concerns when it comes to Northern Ireland. And I guess... Uh, an opportune time to resurrect the good old boys of the IRA, get them back into the swing for probably the most ambitious fear campaign I've seen in regards to Brexit for a long time. I want you to have a look at this and tell me if you believe it or not. I want you to judge the validity of this story yourself. The Irish border, the central sticking point of Brexit. Police chiefs in Northern Ireland and so many others warning for months that any return to border checkpoints risks reigniting the troubles, paramilitary violence, paramilitary <laughs> policing. Central to that. <laughs> now, the first thing that I notice here is, since when did it become okay for politicians to legitimately and literally threaten other politicians with terrorist violence if they go ahead with a particular kind of policy. Like you heard, like you said, the guy said there has people have long time been warning that if they move ahead, if they move ahead with Brexit, then there will be a return to paramilitary violence and paramilitary border control. <laughs> Just like that. Just like that. So the day Brexit happens, there's going to be a whole bunch of guys out there with their balaclavas on shooting their Armalite rifles once again at the British servicemen. <laughs> really? In 2019? Just like that? Okay. We're going to go back to militias then. All right. At risk, the IRA talked about endlessly in all this, but they've not talked themselves until tonight. Until tonight. Their support, minimal. Their crimes and violence, repugnant to the vast majority. But Brexit and the border now demand that the IRA faces scrutiny. We're in an IRA. <laughs> I guess now we have the spokesman for the IRA. An exclusive interview with somebody wearing a balaclava who says that he's representing the IRA. The best part about this is they don't even use his real voice. They use the voice of an actor. <laughs> so you don't even know if this guy's fucking lips are moving <laughs> under the ski mask. I don't know. I have a very difficult time believing this. A safe house in the Irish Republic. We are the IRA as reconstituted in 2012. <laughs> there is only one such organization, and I've been mandated by the Army Council to speak to you on their behalf. 
I have been uh, I have been mandated by the Army Council to speak to you on their behalf, but he's not even speaking to them. The actor is doing the voiceover. I would have preferred like a voice modulator at this point. Hello, I'm from the IRA. We demand certain things of the British government. We will not stand for a hard border. But instead, it's just some like flighty Irish guy who's probably been doing a lot of theatre in Dublin. And then I said to the man, "Well, we'll pull our guns out once again. I've been I've been charged with representing the uh, the interests of the Irish Republican Army, and we're deadly serious about this. Deadly serious indeed." The interview happened at an undisclosed location. Undisclosed location. Condition of anonymity. Yeah. His words are therefore spoken by an actor. <laughs> This group, labelled by the media the new IRA, is the strongest... It could be anyone. It could be anyone. (laughs) We don't know. You just have to take their word for it. You have to take the word of the corporate press that a representative from the IRA, which hasn't done anything for the last 25 to 30 years, a representative of the IRA agreed to sit down with Channel 4 News and talk about an armed revolution coming back if Brexit happens. Now, I'll put my hand up. Sometimes I'm a little too cynical of the corporate media, but I'll also put my hand up and say, I don't think that that cynicism is necessarily always unfounded. I'm not sure that that cynicism is always a bad thing especially when it comes to mystery men in balaclavas claiming to speak on behalf of the IRA. <laughs> Most violent of the dissident Republic. Poppy Lane in the chat says, what the fuck is the new IRA? I think it's like the alt-right, except for the Republican and, and the left. Because, of course, the IRA are uh, not known for its, its you know, tendency to support right-wing political movements. It's definitely more on the left-hand side of the ledger. So I guess that's I guess it's like the new right, except it's the new right with ski masks and guns. So you know, can groups. If Brexit means any kind of infrastructure put in on the Irish border, what would the response of the IRA be to that? Okay, what is the IRA going to do? Just say the British government puts a border, like some kind of infrastructure on the border, whatever the hell that means. Are they talking about a wall? I'm not sure, but. Some kind of infrastructure. What's the IRA? What you going to do, bro? What you going to do? First of all, there's no such thing as an Irish border. It's a British border. I agree. And since its formation, since its inception, the purpose of the IRA has been to take action against all such infrastructure of British occupation. When you say take action, action kind of action, the IRA would take action against such infrastructure. Tell us what you mean. The IRA is an army. And as an army, we're committed to armed struggle for political and social change. Bearing that in mind, any installation or aspects of British occupation within six counties, be it at the border or elsewhere, any infrastructure would be a legitimate target for attack and armed actions against those infrastructures and against the people who are manning them. corporate mainstream press now see you know what i love about this more than anything else alex jones can't have a platform on youtube we must not allow a platform for hate speech 
right? How many times have you heard that over the last 10 years? We mustn't, we're not going to allow a platform for hate speech. We're not going to let this hate monger get on there and spew, try to incite violence, right? We're not going to let somebody on here to incite violence. Twitter, no. Facebook, no. YouTube, no. Channel 4, absolutely. <laughs> get him in. Can we put him in a ski mask as well? Yes, we can. Can we get an actor to um, read his lines instead of him reading them himself? Yes, of course. Is he? Let me ask you something. Is he threatening violent action like an army or a terrorist organisation against citizens if Brexit goes through? Absolutely he is. Oh, we need to get this on the 6 o'clock news. We need to get this up on the internet immediately. <laughs> I've got that story about Alex Jones being kicked off. Oh, that guy. That hate monger. That hate preacher. I'm glad they got rid of him. Uh, when is the IRA terrorist coming in? Do we have coffee? Do we have tea? Does it? What do we? Does he like tea? We're not sure. Uh, we've got some lovely. We've got some lovely macaroons here. We did them green and white. You see, because of Ireland. I thought you'd appreciate that. Oh yes, thank you very much. Very lovely. Are you threatening to uh, blow up political infrastructure if Brexit happens? Absolutely, we are. Well, that's love. That's fantastic. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> When you say um, legitimate targets and legitimate, legitimate actions, targets. just to be absolutely clear, you're talking about attacking things physically, you're talking about bombings, you're talking about shootings. Yes, it's important to understand that this is a country under occupation by Britain. And as in any colonial situation, the people have the right there to respond by all means necessary to that occupation. There you go. We have a right to blow shit up and shoot people. Channel 4 News, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I'd, I was I was all in favour of Brexit until I heard this. Did you know that the IRA was saying on the news that they are going to start shooting people again? No, I didn't, honey. Well, I, I best... Re, perhaps we better have another vote. Perhaps we better reconsider this whole Brexit brouhaha. Who knew? I had no idea that the IRA would be so uptight about it. They have, you know, they have a right to uh, blow people up. Did you know that? I didn't. Thank you for pointing that out. Thank you, Channel 4 News. It's nice to see a legitimate point of view being put forward. Fantastic stuff. We have the right to kill people because of this. As you know, we have a right to plant bombs <laughs> and blow shit up. It's our right. <laughs> now, to be fair, politically, I'm very sympathetic with the IRA. I don't endorse violence, I don't endorse shooting, I don't endorse blowing things up, but I am sympathetic with the fact that I think Ireland should be one country, and Northern Ireland is a kind of British occupation, has been for a long time. They were doing uh, ethnic cleansing in Northern Ireland hundreds of years ago. They would cut the uteruses out of the Irish women and bring in British women. Did you know that? Heinous stuff. Heinous stuff. Orchestrated a famine to kill them off. It was awful. But now here we are, well into the 21st century, and the Brexit, ladies and gentlemen, the Brexit announcement, the Brexit policy, should it go through, well, these guys have blown the dust off the old ski mask and they're now on corporate media, on YouTube. I See, I'm not in favour of uh, censoring any speech. I don't want to take anything down. 
but I am curious why a clear incitement to violence is allowed on YouTube, right? Why is that the case? I mean, look at the first story we read tonight. Far-right Christian fundamentalists believe God killed Elijah Cummings for opposing Trump. They want to take Chris McDonald off the air for not being sad enough that a guy died. Take him off. The guy who is happy about, you know, blowing potentially things and people up in his fight for a united Ireland, should Brexit go through, no talk of taking that down. No, that needs to be on the fucking front page. That needs to be corporate news. That We need to get this out there. This is a legitimate point of view. It's incredible, isn't it? If we arrived at a situation, for instance, where there was the, the so-called backstop. Interest, uh, very, very uh, poignant point from Pinochet in the chat. I wonder how they would feel about us Americans saying the same thing about the southern border. Discuss amongst yourselves. <laughs> Imagine a guy coming out, yeah. Well, you know, I think that we should just put a whole bunch of uh, explosive devices and machine gun turrets on the southern border. Because as you know, a sovereign people have a right to defend their territory. So we would see any kind of illegal border crossing as an invasion. And we have a right to take up arms and attack, you know, people violently if need be, with using all powers that we have at our disposal. Boo! Boo! Channel 4 that night would be going, A whole bunch of militant extremists on the southern border of the United States threatened to kill innocent people today as their argument about illegal immigration continues to heat up. Coming up after the break... Why the IRA's legitimate point of view that they should be blowing up government infrastructure and killing innocent civilians in a stand against Brexit is something that you all need to know before the vote gets passed. <laughs> and a border in the Irish Sea, would, would that presumably be a more acceptable situation to the IRA? I don't think you're understanding what I'm saying here, <laughs> regardless of the form of occupation. I'm not, you don't understand. We are blowing shit up. <laughs> I don't think I've made myself very clear. I think you're having a little trouble understanding me, lad. What we're going to do is shoot people and blow shit up. I, I don't think you're getting my point here, laddie. I don't think you're understanding me. <laughs> but what if we put a border in the Irish Sea, for example? Will that be enough? No, I don't think you get it. We're already constructing the gas bombs downstairs. We're already manufacturing the armor-piercing bullets in the shed out the back. Like, this thing's rolling now. There ain't no stopping it. Whatever kind of border there is, be it soft or so-called hard border, that's irrelevant. We're talking about an illegal occupation here. That means the IRA reserves the right to attack those who are upholding that illegal occupation along the border and elsewhere. And the illegal partition that goes with it. And those who are upholding that... The EU, the British, and the 26 county administration constantly speak about the border as if it's only been there two minutes and it's only an issue with Brexit. There's been a border there since 1921. It's been resisted. It's being resisted. And it will be resisted regardless of any deal formed around it by those who have capitalist interest at heart. Or indeed, if there is no deal at Capitalist interests at heart, ladies and gentlemen. Just a little bit of left-wing extremism, threatening violence, threatening bombs, and threatening the shooting of people. Wow, that's fine on the corporate press. 
just a little bit of left-wing extremism and the killing of innocent civilians. That is that. Can we put that up on YouTube? Absolutely. Here's a verified account. Up you go, laddie. Tell those capitalist fucking pigs what you really think of them. Tell them what you're going to do to their border. We're going to blow it up. Well, there you go. There you have it. Join us tomorrow night for why you shouldn't listen to right-wing extremists who don't get sad enough when people die, why they should be kicked off YouTube. And then coming up after that, our expose, non-left-wing extremists, just very concerned citizens, ladies and gentlemen, will soon be wearing masks and blowing up government buildings and shooting innocent civilians because they don't like Brexit. There you go. Fair and balanced, ladies and gentlemen. I would like to draw your attention to something, if I may. Since we're in Britain, let's stay in Britain for the moment, shall we? The Extinction Rebellion protests I find very interesting. It's gotten so bad that the mayor of London had to condemn it. Now, from what I understand of the mayor of London, he's quite willing to go along with a fair amount of protest-like behaviour in the streets of London. He might even turn a blind eye to a knife crime or two. He may even do that from time to time. He may even barely even talk about people getting acid thrown in their face on a daily basis. Might not even mention that. So consider that, that the mayor of London had to come out and condemn Extinction Rebellion tube action. One protester climbed on top of a train in London's Canning Town station. <clears throat> London Mayor Sadiq Khan condemned Extinction Rebellion activists who Thursday disrupted public transport in the British capital. This illegal action is extremely dangerous, counterproductive, and is causing unacceptable disruption to Londoners who use public transport to get to work, he said in a statement on Twitter, urging activists to, quote, protest peacefully and within the boundaries of the law. Earlier today, a protester climbed on top of a train in London's Canning Town tube station. He was dragged down by angry commuters and had to be defended by London Underground staff and other passers-by, The Guardian reported. At Shadwell Station, Phil Kingston, 83, glued himself to a train stopping traffic. I'm a Christian and that really upsets me to see God's creation being wrecked across the world, ladies and gentlemen. Do we have another Christian fundamentalist extremist on our hands? Any any word on this particular Christian extremist? Needs to glue himself to trains in order to protect God's beauty? Why isn't that getting mentioned as some kind of Christian extremism? But nonetheless, I, di I digress. Extinction Rebellion issued a statement saying that, quote, those that acted this morning planned their action autonomously, adding that Extinction Rebellion will be looking at ways to bring people together rather than create an unnecessary division. Bring people together with superglue. Yes, General Eaton in the chat nails it. Sadiq is the enemy of progress now. That's it. You got it. He's a fascist. He's one of the fascists, ladies and gentlemen. But I think it shows what we're dealing with here. Here's the footage, by the way. Let's have a little look, shall we? So is is a lively lad on top of a train. Now, I don't know if it's in the morning or the afternoon because, to be fair, with British weather, it always looks kind of bleak like that. And it could be 3 o'clock in the afternoon and the sun could be setting for all we know. 
But there appears to be a lot of workers there in like yellow, you know, yellow workers' outfits and stuff. There's people in cheap suits holding uh, briefcases, probably middle management types. There's a lot of people in retail uniforms. So it's obviously a commute either to work or from work and in the peak hour because there's a lot of people on the station, right? He grabs his leg and down he goes into the pack. If you're listening to the podcast, one of the protesters who was standing on top of the train uh, tried to kick one of the guys in the face, got his ankle grabbed, and he was yanked right off the top of that train. This ain't India, son. What the hell do you think you're doing on the roof of the train? Get back down here with the civilised folks. Oi, lad, get your fucking ass off that train. Are you fucking mad? I've got somewhere to be in half an hour. What do you think this is? Who you think you're fucking around with, lad? On your bike, mate? <laughs> I love I love Londoners. I love that Cockney Londoner swagger. I don't know who this guy thinks he's fooling. He's mad, he is. Why don't you just get off the roof of the train so we can all go home? There's, there's a good lad. All right, my son. This fascinates me because... Now you have the mayor of London coming out and condemning it. Six months ago, 12 months ago, a year ago, this wouldn't have happened. The protest would have just happened and people would have politely just found another way to get home. Do you know what I mean? People would have sat there for hours and gone, and just done nothing. Maybe the occasional outburst, like let us get on the train or something. But generally speaking, the mayor would have said nothing. The media would have said nothing. And the people, the general uh, population would have said nothing. They might have felt inconvenience, but they would barely make it known. And this to me just shows how things are changing. The worm is turning. This shows to me that, remember, the, the key here is this is in London. London is a bastion of the Labour Party in Britain. And the Labour Party is the left wing party. London overwhelmingly voted to remain in the EU. London overwhelmingly votes for left-wing candidates in local elections. London is basically the reason that the Labour Party exists nowadays. Because basically all of London, with such a big population, votes for the Labour Party. They are basically the party of London now. The Mayor of London is a Labour Party member, Sadiq Khan. Londoners... Ethnic uh, English people are a minority in London, something in the vicinity of 35%, meaning 65% of the population of the capital city in London are not of English descent. They are from other backgrounds, other countries, other cultures, right? So if you're talking in the diversity stakes, London is pretty much as diverse as it gets in the Western world with the local population being outnumbered two to one, essentially. So when you take all these factors in, that's what makes this reaction all the more juicy. Because we are now at a state where the average citizen, regardless of politics, regardless of culture, regardless of background, regardless of who they may vote for, regardless of their opinion of the EU and whether or not Brexit should be a part of it and all that stuff, regardless of their view on climate change, We have now gotten to a state where the average person 
even though they might share 99% of the views of the people doing the protests, aren't going to put up with it anymore. They can't stomach it anymore. And this is something we've spoken about on this show for the last couple of years, for those who have been around for that long. There's like a snapping back that occurs. You're watching it happen in real time. Where people would have tolerated this kind of stuff in the, in the previous few years. I've been arguing that the tolerance tank is beginning to run dry. And they are making enemies of their comrades, their former comrades now. Because the average blue-collar citizen, ladies and gentlemen, although they might share a lot of your views, they can't stomach the fact that you're going after them. You're fucking their day up. You're making their life harder, their life miserable. And what gives you that right, right? And there's a fundamental underlying subtext to this, that being that People are saying, if you want things, you have to get, you have to go along to get along, right? You can have your protests, you can have your opinions, you can have your arguments, but not at my expense. And whilst they thought that everybody was just going to jump on board and everybody was going to support this and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, they're finding exactly the opposite reaction taking place. The once tolerant you know, populations of the West are now a little less tolerant. This was uh, in and out Burger. Captured on the weekend, ladies and gentlemen, similar thing. Activists tried to go into an in and out Burger to stop people, stop business from taking place, stop people from going in there and just enjoying a sandwich, just going in and having some lunch like you're the evil guy, like you're the stain on, on Mother Earth because you just want to go in and have some fries and a burger. Like you need to be messed with. This reaction took place at the In and Out Burger. So they're in there, they've got their signs, and the manager, I think he's the manager, one of the staff members of In and Out Burger, and if you haven't seen the start the uniform at In and Out Burger, it is the most non-intimidating uniform of all the fast food joints because they're wearing a little red apron and a little chef's hat. It looks like a comic or it looks like a comic recreation of a protest, right? <laughs> so the guy wearing his little In-N-Out Burger uniform comes up and literally just bear hugs the guy around the chest and carries him out of the store. Because <laughs> I think that's the key here. If you let these people get a foothold, if you let them get in there and entrench themselves, next thing you know, they'll be super gluing themselves to the floor. They'll be chaining themselves to chairs and tables. They'll be chaining themselves to the deep fryer. You can't have that. So you've got to, you've got, the trick is you've got to get onto them quick before they can get settled in, before they can get the chains out, before they can rip the cap off the super glue. You've got to be on the case. You've got to be there to move them on, get them out of the way. And listen, the best part, listen very carefully to the cheers of the people in the restaurant. There's no sympathy for the climate protesters here at In-N-Out Burger. See, somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, people were filled with the idea that if they mess with other people's lives for the right reasons, then they will be fine. Now let's just let's just give them this. 
let's say that they're doing it for the right reasons. Let's just say that. Let's give them that part of the argument. Let's say that they are righteous individuals who are legitimately trying to save the world. They are doing the right thing. Let's say that they are righteous folks doing the right thing. I would simply ask, why do you think that merely doing the right thing means that everybody else has to agree with you? There is a long line of history, people throughout human history who have done the right thing and been persecuted violently for doing it. But somewhere along the way, whether it was education, propaganda, whatever it was, they thought that they could give a big middle finger to civil society. That they could screw with everybody's life. That they were doing the right thing, the moral thing, the righteous thing. And it didn't matter how they engage in it, that nobody had a right to stop them. That's what they thought. <laughs> Monica in the chat's like, he's taken out the trash. <laughs> <laughs> so they thought that they were untouchable. They thought that nobody would do anything. And now here we are after years of this stuff. And the average citizen is now taking matters into their own hands. And I don't think that they bargained for this. I don't think they expected this. I think these people legitimately thought that they could go around for every single little political cause over the last 10 years consistently, constantly, every opportunity they get and just mess people's days up block traffic stop airports stop trains stop people getting lunch picket you know offices picket uh shopping centers affect people's livelihoods and for the longest time the media ran cover for them the media would say well it was a tremendous protest out here today thousands of people expressing their concern and wanting government to do more about x or about why. People are out here fighting for their rights. They're fighting for their freedoms, right? And I think they thought that this golden age of protest would just continue, but the golden age is coming to an end, comrade. The golden age is wrapping up. Because it's not the fascists who are standing against you. It's not the police state who are standing against you. There's no right police here. There's no right police in helmets and batons beating your skull and spraying you in the face with pepper spray. There's no fascist policeman, uh, fascist politician in your way stopping you. There's nobody there locking you up preemptively. You're now getting the treatment of the average everyday citizen, or as some might like to call it, the mob. <laughs> Now, mobs get a bad reputation, I think. I think there are sometimes there are useful purposes for the mob. And if the mob is capable of making the trains run on time where it seems the government and the police are not, then I'm all in favour of the mob. If the mayor of London and, you know, the government of London can't get the trains to arrive in East London on time as scheduled, then bring in the mob. I vote for the mob. Because the mob will take care of it. If the government can't ensure my family's safety when going to an In-N-Out burger just to get some fries and a, you know, a cheeseburger, then bring in the mob. Because the mob will take care of it. The mob will just drag them out. And the mob will cheer when the climate protesters are thrown to the street. And they might even be sympathetic with your cause. They might care about climate change. 
but you're starting to learn that caring about climate change is one thing. It doesn't give you the freedom to fuck people's day up. <laughs> and the mob hath spoken. Oh. The IRA's message unequivocal, unambiguous to Brussels, London, Dublin and beyond. Hard or soft border, deal or no deal. Oh, we're on the wrong one. We're back to the IRA again. Don't touch him! Don't touch him! Get your hands off me! Get your hands off me! So now he gets the megaphone and he's screaming the mega into the megaphone into the guy's face who just carried him out of the store. Get your hands off! Like, what entitlement? You're the guy who came into my shop with a megaphone and you were, whatever the hell you were going to do, you weren't there to buy a hamburger, obviously. You were there to disrupt my place of business. And he's going to do some rant about, I have free, I'm an American citizen, I have freedom. <laughs> That's not the way it works. Who educated these people? Keep your hands off me! Get off. Keep your hands off me! Look at this guy! Again, you might be in the right, you might be doing it for the right reasons, but this just makes you a jerk, man. You are just an unlikable, loathsome jerk. That's why everybody in the store is cheering the fact that you got kicked out. Because even though you think you're right, nobody likes you. Nobody wants you. Nobody asked for you. You have no real purpose. You serve no real good in society. You're a pest. You're a nuisance. You're something that everybody wish wasn't there. <laughs> Again, it's not the right police. It's not the fascists. It's little old ladies eating chips, eating French fries. It's mum and dad and two boys who are just on their way home from football practice sitting down to a cheeseburger. That's the new police state for you. Look at the enemies you've created. <laughs> Do you feel bad, Tim? You Do you feel big and bad? Do you feel big and bad? No, bigger than you. <laughs> bigger than you, you little squirt. Don't know about bad. Feels pretty good. Hey, we have Think you about it. We have you on camera I did not do anything wrong. This is America. <laughs> That's got to be my favorite line out of the whole thing. I didn't do anything wrong. This is America. Is America like uh, I don't know. I'm I'm going to have to rely on the collective wisdom of the audience here. Uh ladies and gentlemen, if you are in America, can you please tell me that is is it commonplace in America to have uh, insane, unhinged, unwashed activists screaming into megaphones at the In-N-Out Burger. Is that common? Is that a common thing? Is that is that what America is? I, I don't know. You tell me. I'm not sure it is, but I could be wrong. Maybe it is now. Maybe it never used to be. Maybe it is now. We can use our voice. Get your hands off of her. I have not. Keep your hands off of her. Assaulting us. You're assaulting us. <laughs> assaulting us you storm into the shop you start you start causing trouble you start screaming into a megaphone you get carried out and then you claim that you're being assaulted you need to let her out let my friend out my phone is in here my property is in here 
My coffee is in here. <laughs> That's what she's worried about. That's the big concern. You can't kick me out of your store. I have a coffee in there. <laughs> I'm almost surprised we're not seeing other news. Manage, a manager at a local In-N-Out Burger was today arrested for stealing a young woman's coffee. He kicked her out before she had a chance to finish it. This crime is being investigated by local police. Let her take her coffee, man! Stop being a fascist, bro! You're assaulting us! My it's, property it. it's my property! <laughs> the great irony! The great irony! The coffee is her property, but the store where she's going in to have the protest and start screaming at innocent people having their lunch, apparently that's fair game. You can do whatever you want in there. But the coffee is my property. Ah, oh, sorry, babe. I didn't know. So you want you want to have your coffee inside somebody else's property where you're going to scream in their face, cause a disruption, hurt the business, attack people. But the coffee, I guess if you walk into I guess if you walk into someone's house and put your coffee down on their bench, then you own the house now. No, no, I put the coffee on I put the coffee on the counter, therefore I can do whatever I want in the vicinity of said coffee. It's a legal loophole. The coffee is my property and any building attached to it now becomes mine. <laughs> you can't kick me out. I've got my coffee over there. Don't you see? Isn't that fantastic? So if you walk, just here's a trick for you. Why don't you do one of the White House tours? You know, you can pay, do a little tour of the White House, take a coffee with you. Take in your Starbucks. When you get led around to the various rooms in the White House, just plonk your coffee down on a desk. And at the end of the tour, when they say, okay, everybody, it's time to leave, you say, you can't kick me out. Look, there's my coffee on the bench. You're stuck with me now. I'm just going to stay. I'm going to live here forever. It's my property. You can't take me away from my property. You can't disown me from my coffee cup. You fascist. You racist. You pig. This is America. I have a coffee. I can do whatever the hell I want in your store, in your home, in your government building. Whatever. It's up to me, not you. Get it. Ah, but there was no coffee, was there? No, it was a megaphone. It's the last time I'm last time I'm falling for the coffee trick. Let's go. She was assaulted. She was assaulted. She was assaulted. Of her right. What are you doing? She was the one who was assaulted. My coffee counts as home base, exactly. She was the one who was assaulted. She was the one who was assaulted. Please, I didn't do anything. Please. <laughs> See, once of, I'm not a fa I'm not a fan of like heavy-handed policing. <clears throat> you know, I'm one of the strongest critics of it. To be fair, not a fan of heavy-handed policing at all. I don't like random searches. You know, all that kind of. I'm a bit of a libertarian fag when it comes to stuff like that. I'm kind of like, well, if people aren't doing anything wrong, then just leave them alone. <clears throat> but it's now gotten to the stage, like, I share the sentiment of the the commuters on the London Underground, and I share the sentiment of the people eating hamburgers in the In-N-Out Burger, where I'm just sitting back now with my drink, while she's getting 
while she's getting cuffed and dragged away and this guy's having a hissy fit about it. I'm just sipping my drink like this going. Ah, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> ah. So long, sweetie. Enjoy the ride. Would you like another cheeseburger, son? Yes, I would, dad. I love you, son. I love you too, dad. Son, promise me you'll never grow up to be one of those people. I promise I won't, dad. Dad, when I grow up, I want to be a police officer who arrests climate protesters. <laughs> I love you, son. That's my boy. That's my boy. Enjoy your Coke. Tastes sweet, doesn't it? What are you doing? She's not resisting! You are harming her! She's in pain! She's in pain! What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> the cop's like, just calmly telling you to stand back, sir. That is cruel and unusual punishment! Cruel and unusual punishment! <laughs> it's like they just say words now like i don't know where these guys are getting it i don't know where they're getting this from but cruel and unusual punishment she was very casually handcuffed and led to the back of a police car you're very lucky that the police are as uh, forgiving as they are nowadays like the, the 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 hippie the flower children back in the 60s had to put up with actual baton strikes to the face you just get handcuffed and divorced from your coffee that you left in the store for some reason that you now think that you own. It's not the same. Um, it reminded me of this. Somebody retweeted this. This is an oldie, but a goodie. This is from a few years ago. Uh, <laughs> this is an Antifa. Perfect timing to put this out a couple of days ago with all of these protest images coming through. Uh, this is a guy at Antifa who was skipping school that day and his mum saw him at the Antifa protest the black block protest and his mum went down to the protest to physically drag him out and take him back to school this is an absolute classic <laughs> if you're listening to the podcast you can't see mama is slapping the young boy upside the head she's chasing him away he's gone mama i didn't do enough i'm sorry mama i'm sorry She's trying to rip his balaclava off. It's fucking beautiful. <laughs> his, his other Antifa comrades are just standing by scared shitless. They're not going to get involved. He's kind of looking at his comrades to say, come and help me. Come do something. Bro, help me here. Help me out. She's got me. Come on, man. Help me out of this. And they're like, um, this this belongs to you, man. I'm not I'm not getting involved in this. She's scarier than the riot police. <laughs> you down here doing this shit? Get the fuck over here. Did you hear what I said? Oh, she's back into him again. Sorry, bro. Protest is over, man. Back to school with you. Back to school. Learn something. There you have it. Uh, uh, I've got a comedy one. I've got some other stuff we could get to. I'll tell you what. <clears throat> I'll keep I'll keep the comedy one for tomorrow. Um, we'll just finish on this one, I think. I thought this was fantastic. 
This happened today. Australian newspapers black out their front pages in call for media freedom. Look at that. They're not all owned by the same company. Uh, the Australian and the Herald Sun are. The Age isn't. Rival newspapers in Australia have blacked out the text on their front pages in a coordinated protest against press restrictions. It's the age of the protest. Now the newspapers are protesting as well. Titles including the Sydney Morning Herald, the Australian, the Daily Telegraph redacted their front pages with black lines because of what the media organisations perceive as a culture of secrecy and a threat to democracy. Put simply, our governments don't want you to know a lot of what they are doing, and journalists are banned from telling many important stories you should know, wrote Michael Miller, Executive Chair of News Corp Australasia, the parent company of newspapers including The Australian and The Daily Telegraph. And you have a right to be suspicious and concerned. For years, governments, courts and public authorities have been building a great wall to keep much of what they do a secret and using legislation to make it a criminal offence for the media to tell you. The action follows June police raids on a News Corp journalist and the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. On June 4th, the home of News Corp journalist Annika Smethurst was raided by police over a story revealing a proposal for an Australian electronic intelligence agency to take on an expanded role, something some government figures were concerned about. Then on June 5, as part of a separate investigation, the ABC's Sydney headquarters were raided over a series of articles covering accusations of war crimes by Australian special forces in Afghanistan. Ladies and gentlemen, when um, when Julian Assange was arrested not that long ago, people were asking me, will the Australian government do anything? There's your answer. A hard no. A hard pass. The police actions highlighted a perceived rise of cultural secrecy and legal restrictions that impinge on media freedom in Australia. A web of laws covering freedom of information, whistleblower protection, national security, suppression and defamation have either been tightened or applied overzealously to the point where Australians are not being properly informed about important matters of national interest. The blacked out front pages are part of a campaign by the Right to Know Coalition and was support, supported by TV, radio and online outlets. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, people on the left and the right against uh, overzealous government and overzealous uh, laws being applied in relation to things like libel, defamation, which in this country are some of the strictest in the world. And unlike most liberal democracies, we don't have a Bill of Rights, so there is no constitutional right to free speech. It's it's a, like an assumed right here. And you can bet your bottom dollar that certain people are trying to chip, chip, chip away at it. And it's not always the necessarily it's not necessarily always the same people that you assume it to be. Sometimes it's people that you would consider allies in the culture wars who want to get rid of freedom of speech and freedom of the press for reasons more often than not uh, using the protection meme to protect you from something else to protect you from nasty information you see you poor you poor silly little citizen you can't read about that you can't know about that you mustn't know about the Australian government trying to get a new uh, intelligence agency to spy on its own citizens you mustn't know about that you mustn't read about that that's very dangerous of course, though, the irony don't stop doesn't stop there, because a lot of people, ladies and gentlemen, we were just watching the protesters, the protesters on the left, screaming about the climate, 
getting ripped off the roof of trains, getting kicked out of restaurants and the average citizen who probably has a lot of sympathy with their view now cheering because they're screwing their daily life on a daily basis. Uh, the very same people who would be concerned that the newspapers aren't allowed to print stories about alleged atrocities by Australian soldiers overseas, well, they themselves, and if you don't follow Kira Savage on Twitter, you should. She posts a lot of good stuff if you're interested in Australian politics, a lot of good stuff. She's a great follow. Um, the Greens here in Australia, who would be very upset that, you know, the ABC was being raided by government agents in regards to the allegations of what troops were doing in Afghanistan. Well, they want to introduce uh, some hate speech laws. So on the one hand, they want freedom of the press. On the other hand, they want to control what kind of freedom that really means. We're going to call out the hate speech that's been going on. We're going to make sure that we've got laws that regulate our media. Oh. <laughs> Say what? Say what, brother? I thought you wanted a free media. I want you I thought you wanted a free press. I thought you didn't want the government deciding what should and should not be written. This guy is the leader of the Greens party in Australia, and oftentimes the Greens, thanks to our system, will hold the balance of power in the Senate. Oftentimes, the Greens will get to decide what bills get through and what bills do not. This guy. This party. So I, th I thought you didn't want the government raiding newspapers. I thought you wanted the, the newspapers to be free to print whatever they see fit to print. Being you, you support the free press and all. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. We want to regulate the media to our own biases and our own little idiosyncratic beliefs. We want to tell the media what they can and can't write. We just don't want the government doing it. Ah, I see. We're going to call out the hate speech that's been going on. We're going to make sure that we've got laws that regulate our media so that if people like Andrew Bolt ah. and Alan Jones ah. and Chris Kenny and... <laughs> Three conservative commentators, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're going to regulate the media so conservative commentators aren't allowed to speak anymore. And I could go on and on and on. If they want to use hate speech to divide the community, then they're going to be held to account for that hate speech. Hate speech, eh? Hate speech, eh? Uh, well, Mr. Di Natale, unfortunately, sir, unfortunately, comrade, do I have some news for you? Because even though, again, you feel you feel like you're doing the right thing, you want to regulate the media so people can't use the term, can't use hate speech in their commentary, unfortunately, that's not the way these things tend to roll. You see, unfortunately, what is hate speech today might not necessarily be hate speech tomorrow. And the people that you rely upon on supporting your little policies and your little ideas about things like hate speech, whilst they are your comrades today... If the protesters in London and the In-N-Out Burger have anything to show you, it doesn't mean that they're going to be your friends tomorrow. And so while you might think you're doing the morally right thing, the righteous thing, by trying to regulate speech across the board for everybody through your own definition of what qualifies as hate speech and what does not, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, even your comrades, your fellow progressives are going to approve. It doesn't even mean that your idea of hate speech is going to live on forever and never be used, you know, a forced against you. I'll use the example of Jermaine Greer, arguably Australia's most famous feminist. She wrote a book 
years ago called the female eunuch. Put up on a pedestal as Australia's most famous feminist. She was accused of using hate speech and banned from giving speeches at universities, ladies and gentlemen, a couple of years ago. You know why? Because the famous, the world famous feminist, Jermaine Greer, had the audacity to suggest that trans women were not real women. Jermaine Greer, the world famous feminist, didn't like the idea that somebody who was born biologically male could just say that they're a woman. Or even if they didn't if they really believed that they were a woman, she didn't like the idea of them being classified the same as somebody who was born female. So the world famous feminist, the progressive, the progressive champion, ladies and gentlemen, of the 60s and 70s, is now herself found to be guilty of hate speech. And that's why when people like Richard Dean Natale say that you must be against hate speech laws because you just want to be a bigot. You just want to be offended. Actually, no, I put my hand up. The reason I'm against hate speech laws is because I don't think people like you are, you know, applying the necessary philosophical context to the conversation in the first place. I'm actually trying to defend people who support you. When you introduce hate speech laws, you will ultimately make enemies of your comrades, just like the protesters in London and just like the protesters at the In-N-Out Burger. You will create a rod for your own back, an albatross around your own neck. And that's the last thing that I want to see happen. I don't want to see good people who might have the wrong ideas or different opinions who probably agree with a lot of what you say, I don't want to see them become victims of your harebrained schemes and your totalitarian tendencies when you argue to regulate speech and media across the board for everybody based on your own poorly thought out ideas of what speech is and should be. Because we don't need more victims. We don't need more thought criminals, regardless of the side they're on. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on tonight's edition of The Daily Boogie. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to throw some hate speech my way, then you can do so, to use a term from the late, great Christopher Hitchens, at your own risk by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Don't forget to follow our friends at Real Person PLTCS and the far right-wing Christian extremist fundamentalist and conspiracy theorist Christopher Mack, ChrisMC44, at YCensored underscore, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully I'll get the chat box working for tomorrow night. Until then, until 6pm tomorrow, stay calm, stay rational, God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. Have a lovely night. I'll see you again tomorrow night, 6 p.m.
don't forget, if you want any of the links to tonight's show, you can get them on the podcast website, pod, uh, boogiebumper.podbean.com. Until tomorrow, guys, have a good one. Bye-bye.